For what do I have if I don't have you, Jesus? What in this life could mean anymore? You are my rock. You are my glory. Welcome to The Rock Podcast. It's time for the writer to the Hebrews to talk about the great exodus from Egypt and the entering into the promised land and how faith in God made all that possible. From the parting of the Red Sea to the crumbling of the walls of Jericho, it was all by the product of people's faith. Now, let's join Pastor Ross with a message entitled, Faith That Makes a Way. One thing to tell somebody that they need more faith, you know, you just say, hey, come on, man, uh, just take God at his word. Uh, but it really is more helpful to inspire them uh, to have more faith by kind of showing them an example of what you mean, a living, breathing example to inspire you to say, this is what faith looks like. This is the benefit of having faith. Look at this life. You know, so for example, as we've been seeing, take a look at Noah. Look what Noah was up against. You know, the guy didn't even know what rain was when the Lord asked him to build that ark. So look how faith worked great things for him and brought him and others as a result of his faith uh, safe and sound through it all. And so that's exactly what our writer to the Hebrews uh, the New Testament book of Hebrews is named Hebrews because he's speaking to Hebrew Christian congregation who's backsliding. They have a tough time living under Roman law that hated Christianity. And, and so they're thinking about going backwards to Judaism. And he's told them, right, he's, he's used the words, you need to have more faith and a little patience and you'll inherit what God has promised for you. But he didn't stop with that just plain exhortation to increase their faith. He starts pulling up left and right all of these examples for these Hebrew Christians who are struggling to look at these Hebrew believers in their, in their Hebrew scriptures, how they had faith and how they overcame, you know? And so the whole point of doing that in Hebrews 11, these 20 cast of characters who had lots of faith is, is for them to be inspired to imitate them. That's the purpose. You know, look at these lives. Look at the blessing. Look at how they benefited by just taking God at his word and directing their lives accordingly, even though, and there's always that definition, even though, you know, it didn't make sense or even though the situation looked totally contrary. So, now, working chronologically, chapter 11 does, just picks all these cast of characters, uh, kind of in chronological order. We started with the pre-flood times, with uh, the early days with Abel, Enoch, and Noah. And then after the flood, he moved to the fathers of the faith, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and their families, and how faith transformed their lives and brought blessing Last week, he had moved now up to the time of Moses, and he brought out five, four or five incidents from Moses' life where faith really was a made powerful uh, difference. And now, next up this morning, uh, we're in the Exodus period, all right? And so I actually have a map of, uh, just a simple map of the Exodus, all right? So they started in Egypt, of course. They do cross 
uh, the Red Sea, right? And so the next verse is about the faith that brought them through dry ground, even though they were passing through the sea. And then, of course, you know, they make their journey through the book of Numbers and, and all of that, uh, Ten Commandments and, and wars and manna and all of that is happening. And then, unfortunately, because of their lack of faith, they end up <laughs> taking a, a, de- a 40-year de- a detour, right? And so <laughs> they come up. And so the first verse, uh, I believe it's 29, it, it, it will be the faith that parted the sea. Uh, verse 30 is the faith that brought down the walls of Jericho. And verse 31 will be the faith that caused Rahab inside of those walls to be a sole survivor. So that's where we're headed. And, and by the way, this is, you know, uh, this, this is Egypt. This is Israel up here, all of Egypt. Uh, Saudi Arabia's about a quarter here, and the rest is Jordan. This is all Jordan, modern day. All right, let's dive in. Here's the text. By faith... The people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the people had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. So, Three verses, you know how I am. You, you probably read this and thought, well, I know the three points for Sunday because there are three verses, three incidents, three lessons. What more can a pastor want, you know, for Sunday morning? Uh, especially a guy like me because I just think in threes and uh, I think, you know, that's the best way to divide this text. So three awesome incidents. And so, uh, you know, verse 29 with the parting of the Red Sea is going to, to teach us the lesson By faith, God makes a way. By faith, God will bring us through where there seems to be no way. In verse 30, the walls of Jericho come down. The lesson there will be uh, God brings us in. Not only does he bring us through, but he takes away the obstacles for us to enjoy what he's promised, our inheritance. And so those walls come down by faith, right? And then thirdly, Rahab the prostitute. I mean, that's just, I mean... That's unbelievable that she's going to appear not only as a woman, not only as a Gentile, but as a woman of ill repute, uh, you know, a little softer than the other word, right? Uh, Which just means she was a prostitute running a brothel there in Canaan. And for her to appear as, follow her. (laughs) Wow, that's, that's called amazing grace. <laughs> Amen. And so the lesson there, by faith, we escape the judgment of God. That's I, I mean, there's so many more lessons there, uh, but those are the ones, the big ones. All right. So let's focus on verse 29. We'll pull that out. There it is. We'll isolate that. That is our first point. By faith, God makes a way. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. It's a great passage and so much you could teach months on that, uh, telling the story. But, you know, the thing about miracles, grand miracles, probably the grandest of all miracles, right? The parting of the Red Sea. For me, 
I've never had a problem with any of the miracles. I, I mean, the way I got saved, I mean, I was struck by lightning, as it were. I mean, I was in a bar, and the Lord kind of gave me a vision and spoke to me, and I walked out a born-again Christian. So uh, for me, I, when I read the Bible, I'm, I don't like get it. I don't. And, and, and Genesis 1, God spoke, and from nothing, the universe appeared. Now, after that, it's, it's all easy. I, <laughs> After that, I, I'm like, yes, I buy that, right? And, and so when you say he, he parted some waters, I'm like, yeah, he can do a lot more than that. I've never stumbled at that. Of course he can walk on water. He spoke and a star appeared, and not just one, right? I, okay, I expected a little more vocal response there. Okay, we better dive in here. So faith is indispensable, Lesson, when you're at a dead end, uh, when your back's against the wall, when there seems there's no way out, where, there's, where you feel like you're trapped, uh, that is the, broad, the broadest sense, of course, is, is that uh, although all of us have had those moments, and if you haven't had those moments, uh, be on the lookout because you will have those moments, right? But, but in, the, in the grander way of looking at this miracle, it is the dead end that all human beings must face. It is appointed unto men once to die and then the judgment. I mean, there's no way out. Nobody gets out of this alive, except if you're living at the time of the return when he one is taken and one is left. Those uh, fortunate souls will not know what it's like to experience physical death, but they will be translated, changed in the twinkling of an eye. The thief comes in, breaks in, unbeknownst to the world, takes the valuables, and it's gone. Everybody's looking around. Hey, we've been robbed. That's called the rapture. Ross version. <laughs> All right. So faith, faith is indispensable. Now, what, what's worth noting here is that it was a God-inspired dead end. Uh, they didn't just wander aimlessly like, oh, let's, where should we go now? You know, well, let's take a left. Let's go take a right. No. God led them to the cul-de-sac, to a dead end. And if you want proof, here it is. Exodus 14. The Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp at Pi-Hiroth between Migdal and the sea. Tell them to camp there. Pharaoh will think, ah, the Israelites are wandering around. They don't know where they're going. They're confused and they're trapped. Verse four, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them. Uh, by, uh, but I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this, of course. They followed God's instruction to a dead end, into a trap or so it seemed. And God had his purposes for doing this. He set the whole thing up. And by the way, if you struggle with, why did God harden Pharaoh's heart? Well, if you read the long struggle between the two of them, chapter by chapter in Exodus, you will find, count them up, Pharaoh hardens his own heart as many times as God hardens his heart. And so you see, Romans 1 principle with Pharaoh is that if you're so dead set on being my enemy, hey, I'm going to go with this, all right? And I'm going to bless your stance because I need a bad guy. And the casting call goes out, you know, and he's volunteering and he gets, you know, several times he can change his mind anytime, but when he doesn't, God says, okay. I'm going to, Romans 1, give you over 
to that. And so that's just a little tidbit I throw in for free, as I often do. And so uh, God has a purpose. And what's his purpose? Of course, we know. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 12, where, where Paul, Paul says, his power is made perfect through our weakness. Our helpless moments, our dead ends, are the perfect backdrop for God to reveal his glory. And then nobody can say, oh, there was a coincidence. Oh, oh, you know, I'm glad I had all that education. Oh, I'm glad I've been going to CrossFit, you know, so that I could part those waters myself, you know. <laughs> that was funnier than you gave me credit for. Right there. I was telling you that. I, you know, listen. When God parts your sea, God gets all the glory. And, and, and he's a multitasker, so he's, he's doing lots of different things. He's, he's speaking to the Egyptians. Hey, anybody interested in not being an Egyptian anymore? You, you know, he's speaking to the Israelites. You can trust me. When you get on the other side, you can trust me no matter what. If I can do, just think what I could do. I could do anything. Just trust me, he's building his people's faith. He's calling to Egypt. He's saying, hey, I, I, I'm not willing that anybody perish, but everybody come to have eternal life. And so God's doing so many things, and he's just kind of showing off in a holy and, and righteous way. Look what I can do. Put your faith in me, people. And so that's what's going on there. Now, uh, not going to lie, as the current recent... Um, Idiom or saying goes, not going to lie, you know. Whenever somebody says not going to lie, I, I just hear in my head, like usual or what. <laughs> not not going to lie. Listen, the best moments of my life and yours probably have been when I'm in a dead end. My best testimonies, the, the most dramatic and awe-inspiring, faith-inspiring stories that I have over 35 years of knowing the Lord comes from when, what? <laughs> okay, I've got, I, I got accepted into a doctoral study program that I completed. But in the same month, I got a diagnosis with, with Hodgkin's lymphoma stage 2B. So, so I went ahead and went through the bone marrow transplant and the doctoral study but when, I, when I'm looking at both letters, I'm, I'm reading the doctor's letter and the school's letter, I'm like, hey, no, there's no way. And it's the best story. How God just went, well, relax, be still. This is not your battle. Watch this. Oh, yeah. I, 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 so many stories are nominating themselves right now for air, for air time. You know, can I give you one, one more? One more. In the city, oh, I gave my notice, a uh, 30-day notice. I got three little kids, and we're going to move. And the house that we had secured and I gave the notice for uh, fell through. And so, and so I'm like, ah. They had a family moving in on, like, day 31, you know, the next day. There was no room. On day 27, I didn't have a house. We had a moving truck, no place to go. What are we going to do? And, and the people were, were already walked through our house and they were getting ready and putting their furniture. Oh, the furniture goes here. I have three days. <laughs> oh, six o'clock on the Friday, the property manager calls and goes, yeah, you know what? I'm like, yes. <laughs> you know, we're thinking. We're thinking yes. 
You're thinking yes. Yeah, yeah, so pick up the keys on Monday. Okay, thank you. It was such a miracle. I just, I just might as well have seen God come down and just go like that. He built my faith. He's used that story in our lives. So here's what I'm saying. Stop despising the broken, weak, dead-end moments in your life. God has either allowed it or he's led you there or he's let you get there because he's ready to just flex his muscles for you. If you're going to have faith, if you're going to have faith, by faith they pass through. So we're going to take a look at that. Let's look for this faith, because this is important, okay? Let's check it out. It's a long passage. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, you know, you should have seen them going out singing their songs, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds and said to them, what have we done? We've let the Israelites go. We've lost their services. <laughs> oh, poor guy. Poor Egyptians. They're going to have to bend over and do some of their own weeding. Oh, no. <laughs> so, he has had, so he had his chariot made ready and took his whole army with him. He, this is a world superpower against some Jews with not a lot. Uh, he took 600 of the best chariots along with the other chariots of Egypt with officers... Our officers over all of them, the Lord hardened the heart of the Pharaoh, of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued them who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them at camp cul-de-sac. Okay, uh, 10, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after they were terrified and called out to the Lord. Uh, they, they said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out here to the desert to die? What have you done by bringing us out of Egypt? Let's go. We're looking for faith here. Uh, didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone already. Oy vey, let us serve the Egyptians. I'm Jewish, okay? I'm allowed to do that. <laughs> it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians. I saw this so much like my dad right there. <laughs> they had to die in the desert already. <laughs> oh, I miss him. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you'll see the deliverance of the Lord will bring to you today. The Egyptians you will see, you'll never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to, to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea. Divide the waters so that you can pass through. Uh, where's this great faith? Where's this great faith? Can you back up to the first slide, Adam? I think it's verse 10. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. Oh, it's not perfect faith because they need an attitude adjustment fast. They're bitter. Their panic is speaking through them. They're blaming Moses. They're being sarcastic and ungrateful and disrespectful. But guess what? They have a pinch the size of a mustard seed of faith Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be.
be saved. Joel chapter 2. Who quotes that twice? It's in the New Testament. Once in a sermon in Acts. And another time. And another time. I think it's Paul. Yeah, Paul. Romans chapter 10. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. They had saving faith. They called in faith. Lord God, we've seen the 10 plagues. We know you can do this. Save us. But it was imperfect. And how many people are glad about that in here? I'm glad that, the, I'm glad that God will do a miracle and part the waters, uh, even in my bad attitude and my unraveling and my panicking and my blowing off steam because I'm freaked out. He knows all that. He's factored that in. He understands how we're made, how we're formed. He understands how we are. But Jesus said, I got a little, Jesus said, this is how much you need. He says, if you had faith as much as a mustard seed, the size of a mustard seed, you could look at a mountain and say, mountain, come on, get out of my way. And the mountain would pick itself up and throw itself into the sea. They had that. And that alone, they had nothing else. Because when they got to the other side, that wasn't enough to help them get into the promised land. Saved, yes, he says they're forgiven. But their immature faith and the lack of exercising it after the initial conversion. What is this with Christians? I had faith when I got saved. You need to exercise that same kind of faith every single day, in every single moment of every single decision that you're making. Every day, you're exercising the same faith that saved you so that you can enter into the promises. There will be many, many Christians who you will see having gone through the waters of death and have appeared and take their place in heaven and, and, and their lives were a mess and they hardly did anything for God because You know, they had enough to get there, but not enough to live and do something. They're always falling back and always a problem and always causing problems, going back to all kinds of sins. But they had that. Don't do that. It's better, you know. So Jesus' words are validated. And thank you for that picture. Reminds us, you know. So... uh, Yeah, that's better. Okay, so by faith, the people pass through the Red Sea and they do so on dry ground. So we're going to move on now. So um, faith also brings you in. So verse 30, let's go there. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the people had marched around them for seven days. And so, you know, faith just doesn't get you out of the slave pits, right? It doesn't just bring you up and out of the old life, but it brings you in. And that's the point that I was just making. You have to be exercising and living in that same kind of faith to be entering his rest, you know, uh, as, as he was saying. The walls that were meant to keep you out to lock you out of what God has for you, the walls come tumbling down by faith. And so now the writer has moved 40 years. Well, why? Well, because there's nothing good to say about the squiggles. There's nothing good to say because they, they, uh, they get a shout out in chapters three and four during the squiggle time. 
This is an example of what not to do. What, what's interesting to me, it's the very same people. The very same people who are getting praised for their faith that parted the waters are in chapter three and four, the same people, don't do that. Don't, don't, don't stop exercising the faith that parted the waters and got you over from death to life. Now to live in God's promises, you need the same kind of faith. You need to be exercising. You don't get lazy and drift away. And so that's the reason for the skipping of the uh, 40 years. So 40 difficult years pass and Joshua is leading now and, and, and across the Jordan they go and they're in. All right, so they come up the side of modern-day Jordan, and they're going to take a left and go east uh, through a, a river that's at flood stage. So once again, he does it again with the Jordan, and, and they're in. Welcome to the promised land, and from a few, human point of view, Jericho is an impossible city uh, to conquer. And God's promises, and, and think of them all, often seem unattainable, or walled off from us. But it's through faith that those barriers will come down. And, and you read a promise and go, why can't I? Oh, wouldn't that be nice to enjoy that kind of peace or, or to enjoy that kind of provision or to enjoy that kind of wholeness? Wouldn't that be nice? But all I see is a, is a fortified wall. By faith, those walls come down. All right, so listen to this. So, so here's how it goes in Joshua 6, how those walls kind of, hear some context. The commander of the Lord's army, and most people say that was the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ, shows up to Joshua, the leader, and says to him, I've got a military uh, strategy for you. So I imagine the conversation went something like this. Uh, the Lord says, okay, man, mighty man of uh, battle. You ready to take this fortress down, Joshua? You, you ready to be my war hero, man? And I can hear Joshua saying, um, let's do this. Yes, I am. Man, I, I can hear Joshua saying, hey, yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe you know about uh, how good I was with the Amalekites and, and the Amorites and the King Sihon and Og, man. We took those guys down up and through this. Let's do this, Lord. I'm your man. All right, so he's going, okay, here's the plan, Joshua. Listen up. You take all your mighty army, your marching guys, right? And, and I, want you to, I want you to march them around the city. Just march them once around on day one. March them around. Shh, don't say anything. Just quiet. Just march. So all they hear is, that's all I want. And he's like, okay. Now on day two, and Joshua gets hopeful, like, okay, here comes uh, like something that's going to make sense to me. Yeah, you know? And then day two, I want you to do the same thing. Okay. Okay? Yeah, okay. Day three, we're going to do the same thing. We're going to go around day three. And he's like, okay, day four, day five, day six, I want you to shh, just on day seven, and then Joshua's like, okay, lay it on me. <laughs> day seven's going to be different. Oh, okay, yeah, common sense. Let's do this. I've been in battle. I know how to do this. I want you to do it seven times. 
March around seven times. Not one time, not twice, not three times. I want you to go seven times. And then on the seventh lap, I want you to just blow the trumpet and everybody just shout. Okay. <laughs> and the walls, thick and tall, they're just going to fall apart. <laughs> yeah. Let's do this. <laughs> okay. By faith. So they march around. They sound a trumpet. They give a shout. They get underway. Now, the watchers on the wall, <laughs> the Gentiles up there, the pagans, you know, the Canaanites, they're like, okay, here they come, here they come. They march around. And they go home. So uh, they're like, okay, we've got a routine here for our Friday night comedy hour. Uh, <laughs> all right, here come the Jews, you know. Hey, you, your mother dresses you funny. You know what? Was there heckling? There had to be heckling. Why? Because Joshua reminds them, don't say a word. And the only reason he would say that is because they want to say a word. You don't say anything. You just march around. And so they do it. That sounds a little bit crazy, but actually it's the compassion of the Lord. Why? Oh, we're going to find out through Rahab that they all know the gospel. Oh, they've heard about the Red Sea. They know about the King Sihon and Og. They know about the Amalekites, the Amorites, and all the otherites. They know the whole story. You know what else they know? They know the flood waters of the Jordan are in flood stages. So if there's an army, they had to cross a, a river that was flood stage, and they already know what he did to the Red Sea. So God says, you got seven days to think about this. Seven days to get right with me because I, Ezekiel 33, 11, take no delight in the death of the wicked. But uh, my heart, is that they might be saved and turned from their sins. You've got seven days. They know the story. They know that the river just opened up and left them all in. And whoever wants to call on the name of the Lord like Rahab will be saved. Day one, day two, you're thinking about it. Day three, oh, you got another day. Oh, don't perish. You got another day. Seven's the number of completeness. You got my complete, compassionate patience before judgment comes down. You can come to me. You've got enough information. I did just come in on day one and blast the place. He doesn't do that. He gives 2,000 years of church history. And then he takes the church. And there are seven years Seven years to get right before he appears as his judgment time. During those seven years, it's the same story. They can get saved, just like the, the Jerichites. <laughs> I don't know that there's such a thing, but here, here's how it goes. Joshua 6, on the seventh day, they got up. At daybreak and marched around the city seven times the same way, except on that day they encircled it seven times. The seventh time around, they, uh, the trumpets blast. Joshua commands, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. When the trumpet sounded, the people shouted. At the sound of the trumpet, when the people gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So every man 
charged straight in and they took the city. Now, here's what he's emphasizing, I think, to the Hebrew listeners about this kind of faith, all right? Because it, it, the point is, they, they obeyed against their natural inclination, right? Which is God's way. So he's telling the Hebrew Christians, listen, if you want your walls to come tumbling down, you're gonna have to exercise a f- your faith even though a lot of what you're going to be doing is going to rub the world and your own logic wrong, the wrong way. I, I, I mean, you want to truly live? Then pick up your cross and die. Do you want to find yourself? Deny yourself. Oh, because if you find yourself, you've lost yourself. You see, does that make any sense? No. But it's true, and it works, and the walls come, come tumbling down. Not that you're true to yourself, but that you're true to God and his word and conforming your, your life to the image that God has created you to be. That doesn't make any sense to the world. Money's tight? Give. No, I just said my money's tight right now. Yeah, give, and it'll be given to you. How do you get out of out of need. You give. You make room in the basket, and God says, oh, thank you for that. You're trusting me. I'll fill the basket. But when you're, (laughs) that's how it is. Does it make sense to you? No. The the inclination is, I'm I'm in trouble. You know, I only make so much money, so that's why, you know, I don't give. You you can give a dollar? How about trying to test God out with a dollar and see, because you, you spend more at Starbucks then we're all willing to admit. <laughs> Faith says, I'll give when I'm in need and God will fix it. You, is your enemy taunting you? Love them. Are, is your enemy hungry? Cook them something, bring it over. Say, hey, I was just thinking about you guys. I heard something, you're going through some hardship. Here's a dinner. They're your enemy. Does that make sense to anybody in this room? No. When somebody aggresses you, turn the other cheek, cover it over. None of God's ways are like the world's ways. And if you're going to exercise them and see the walls come through down so that you can go in and enjoy the promises of God, you have to do things his way. And his ways are higher than our ways, Isaiah 55. That's going to take faith. The only way you're going to act outside of your own natural inclination, not to mention the world's promptings for you to do otherwise. You want to be great? Learn to be everybody's servant. What? You want to be lifted up? Humble yourself and serve everybody, and you'll be the greatest person in the room. Son of God, Jesus Christ. He knows about these things. Thank you, the one servant. Just kidding, I'm sure there's four. But <laughs> you're, you're awful quiet. And I know, you know, when, when I do this to you, people come up and say, we're thinking. We're thinking. We're being convicted. Back off already. <laughs> Pastor Jim, I will. Now, inside those very walls is Rahab, right? Somebody's doing a lot of thinking. Somebody who's got a little bit of faith. 
Let's hear about this. Verse 31. By faith, the prostitute? What? Rahab? Because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. So our last point, by faith, we're safe from wrath. And more than that, we're connected uh, to Jesus Christ. So uh, a beautiful picture of the gospel. How, how can this be? In the midst of total decimation of a city, a woman <laughs> with a sinful and shameful life, living in the midst of the enemies of God, escapes unharmed and becomes a Bible hero. Wow. So how did this happen? Here's some context. It's recorded in Joshua 2. Before they cross the Jordan, uh, Joshua secretly sends over two spies on a reconnaissance mission. Go case the place. All right, they're still on the other side of the Jordan. All right, go check out the land for us. Go check out Jericho, as it were. So the Lord directs them to find lodging at the local inn, which happens to be a brothel. They don't know that. Somebody figures it out that the two Hebrews are in somehow. The city's alarmed and word gets out to the king. Let's pick up in Joshua 2. So the king of Jericho sends this message to Rahab, the king, to uh, the owner of a brothel. (laughs) Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they've come to spy out the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yeah, the guys came to me, but I didn't know where they had come from at dusk when it was time to close the city gate. The men left. I don't know which way they went. They went that way. Uh, So go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. (laughs) I love Rahab. Verse 6. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gates were shut. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up to the roof and said, okay, if you're looking for faith, you might find it here. I know, I know that the Lord, she's using his personal name, has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen on all of us so that all who live in the country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard, we've heard. Oh yeah, we've heard. And faith comes from hearing. We heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you guys when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sihon and those two kings, bad boy kings of the Amorites, whom you completely destroyed when we heard of it. Our our hearts were melting and everyone's courage uh, failed because of you. For the Lord, your God, is God in heaven above and on earth below. Thank you, Rahab. Now then, please swear to me by that Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you'll spare the lives of me, my father, my mother, my brothers, and my sisters. Faith has compassion on lost souls and all who belong to them and that you will save us from death, our lives for your lives. If you, you die, we die. The men assured her, if you don't tell what we're doing, we'll treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. 
So she let them down by a rope through the window for the house. She lived almost part of the city wall. Now she had said to them, go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there for three days until you return and then go your way. The men said to her, this oath you made us swear will not be binding unless when we enter the land you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down, unless you have brought your father and your mother, your brothers and everybody into that house under that cord. If anyone goes outside your house into the street, his blood is on his own head. Because there's one way to be saved. We will not be responsible. As for anyone who's in the house with you, his blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on them. But if you tell what we're doing, all, de- all bets are off. Agreed, she replied. Let it be as you say. So she sent them away and they departed and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. I think that's it. She ties the cord in the window. So what's specifically pointed out in our passage is really... By faith, she welcomed the spies. Not that she even, she did a lot of things that you could say, by faith, Rahab, you could you put a few things in there. But welcoming the spies, well, how is that helpful to the Hebrew Christians who are thinking about backsliding? She put herself in harm's way, identifying with God and their people in spite of the hostility and the jeopardy that would bring her living amongst the enemies in the world. That's what the Hebrews would not do. The Hebrew Christians of the first century, they said, you know what? We converted from being good Jews to be, being Christians. And that brought a lot of pain and suffering to us. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to go back to just being our good Hebrew Jewish selves. That's good enough. Because when we added Christ to the mix, we, got, we added a whole bunch of problems. So he's telling them, Rahab, the pagan prostitute, had faith, had more courage than you guys. She stepped out and she said to the king, I can defy the king and put her life on the line because she identified with the brothers and the sisters. She wants to be in the family at a cost to living among a bunch of people who hate God and the family and are going to make it really tough for her. So Hebrew Christians, you're all scared. You want your moms. You want to go back. You know, all of this problem. Look at Rahab, a brothel owner, a pagan who didn't grow up reading the Old Testament like you did. Doesn't have the Holy Spirit in her heart. Doesn't know Jesus. But she said, willing to risk her life and say, and what did she say? She said, I know this Lord is going to win the battle. Look what he did for you guys. And you can almost hear like, I want him to do that for me. Wow, you, you, he did it for you. And he did it again at the Jordan. Wow, that God is God, period. And all I'm asking is you guys show a little mercy because I put my life in harm's way because I identify with this God of yours and with you guys. Wow, that's, that's pretty amazing. She puts herself at grave risk. Here's what, how one writer put it. Rahab's faith made her willing to identify with God and his people 
though that would bring a hostile reaction from the wicked world she was living in, the Hebrew believers should learn from her. They wanted to disassociate with Christ and his followers because it put them in harm's way and made life dangerous. They're challenged to take a lesson from a pagan prostitute whose faith gave her the courage to lay it all on the line. You want to hate God's people? Hate me too. Because he's the God of heaven and earth. And it's not the king of Jericho. She's afraid of disobeying. She's afraid of dishonoring God, the God she's come to believe. That's pretty amazing stuff. And her faith as always, and faith always pays off. When you take God out of his word, our working definition, faith, take God out of his word, direct your life accordingly, even though, fill in the blank, right? You always will get the evidence of unseen things and her evidence already, right? As the walls come down and she's going to be spared. You know, this is uh, just a beautiful picture of really the end of the world, of God calling out through the age of grace and saying, hey, <laughs> seven times, seven times. Uh, now, now why, why is she spared? Well, well, the verse wants to tell you why. And it's all about a red cord. Come on. Okay, I have a picture of the red cord. So, so yeah, does that image kind of help you with 2,000 years to look back or, or more, actually 3,000 400 years looking back. Yeah, tie the scarlet thread there, the cord. From the cross, from, you know, what are the Hebrews thinking? We want a red cord there, why? Here's what they're thinking. Judgment is coming like judgment came on Egypt. The same God, the same judgment, the same death is gonna happen. What saved us during that time? Oh, blood, red blood on the doorposts. Death came and passed over our house. So, so here's the Jewish mind thing of faith. Hey, listen, you want to be like us? You'll be saved like us, same way. This is how we got saved. We put a little red blood because the lamb is our substitute. And when death comes calling, he sees death has happened, boom, we step over. Oh, so she does it. She ties the cord there. And Rahab assimilates into the Jewish culture. But wait, there's more. She marries a nice Jewish boy named Salmon. And they have a baby boy. And the baby boy's name is Boaz. And Boaz gets married to a girl named Ruth. And then they have a baby boy named Obed. And then Obed gets married and has a baby boy named Jesse. And Jesse gets married and has a baby boy named David. And David grows up to become king. David has a son. And he has a son. And 14 sons later, related to David, related to Rahab, comes the savior of the world, 
Jesus Christ descends from a pagan prostitute who was slated for judgment in Jericho. And because she hears a report and goes, oi, you know, she probably didn't say oi, babe. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> she says, OMG. <laughs> she says, we're finished already. But wow, do you hear these stories? Oh, to have a God like that and God's own. Oh, you're talking my language. Watch what I can do with your shameful, broken, pagan, upside down, disgraceful life. I will come through and, and be related by blood, by blood through Mary. Luke chapter three is Mary's genealogy. Luke, uh, Matthew chapter one is Joseph's. So by He's, she's the progenitor of both of them. By heritage, Joseph, you see her name, Matthew chapter one, and by blood on Jesus' human side. Jesus is the God-man. He does not have an earthly father. He's conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of a virgin. He is fully 100% God, the second person of the Godhead. And he says, Rahab, I'm gonna be your son, your grandson. Know how many 24 times of greats, but by blood. That's what faith can do, man. Faith will make a way and get you through. Number two, faith will bring those walls down and bring you God's promises, bring you into God's promises. And finally, faith, faith will spare your life. You're gonna live forever. Because you will be connected, as Rahab was, to Christ. Just like Rahab. Oh, I wish I was that close to Jesus. You're closer. You're the bride. Connected to the bridegroom, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Connected intimately. Boom. Joined as one. Nothing could get between a husband and a wife. Union. And that's the analogy is given to the church. Spared from judgment, we're all Rahab. Connected by faith to the Son of God. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, these words, I don't even feel worthy to talk about this subject, let alone receive it as my own inheritance, as our own inheritance. We're all just, Lord, we're more, <laughs> we see more Rahab in us than the Redeemer at times, God. Oh, help us, Father, to have the faith, Lord, that will part the seas and make a way, faith that will bring the walls down and bring us into your promises and faith that ultimately spares our lives and connects us with you. We love you. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand together. Closing song. You have been listening to The Rock Podcast. Our regular services are held on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at calvarytherock.org.